<laughs> the sermon's starting time for some caffeine. Uh. <laughs> Every sermon. I know. I need, I need it too. The preacher puts me to sleep too, Jess. It's all right. Good morning, church. Um, today we're preaching, or I'm preaching, um, we're working through Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is a, uh, a well-known, uh, well-known passage that kind of talks about some of the heroes of the Christian faith, looking back at, at heroes of the Old Testament and how their faith is what brought them close to God, how their faith is what gave them favor with God. And, and really the lesson from Hebrews 11 is that our faith is also what allows us to get close to God. All the good works that we can do and all the wonderful things that we might achieve amount to nothing if we don't have faith in God, if we don't believe in him. So that's, that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. And it was interesting, as I was preparing for this sermon the last week or two, um, about a week ago, Alistair Begg also released his set of sermons on Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Alistair Begg is a, is a preacher. He's, right now he's based in Ohio, but he was born in Scotland. And uh, I just really enjoy listening to him. If you'd like to hear a really good sermon on Hebrews 11, go to his Truth for Life podcast uh, beginning around April 15th. And he has a three-part sermon on Hebrews chapter 11. And what he does is um, talks about the beginning, and then he goes into uh, these characters a little bit more in depth because he has a little bit more time than what I've got this morning. But uh, really some fantastic stuff. So if you'd like to uh, learn a little bit more, if at the end of this sermon you say, eh, that was okay, well, check out Alistair Begg. He did a good job with it. Um, today, as we go through this passage in Hebrews chapter 11, one of the questions that's in the back of my mind as I read this, and it might be in the back of yours from time to time, is why is it that people sometimes lose faith? This passage is about having faith and how it defines faith and how we ought to have it. But you and I all know that we've had times in our lives where we may have been tempted to lose faith or we felt like our faith wasn't as strong as it was at other times. And many of us in this room know people who seem to have been living by faith at one time and now are not. Why? What, what's going on with that? I just want to plant that question in your minds as we go through this chapter today, because I think it's a big question for us. As we continue on in our lives, as we are moving closer and closer to the end of time, but further and further chronologically from when Jesus hung on the cross and when he rose from the grave and when he ascended into heaven, it's hard for some people to keep living by faith because what we see sometimes overpowers what God has promised. And so I hope that today's examination of Hebrews 11 can kind of help us sort that out a little bit. And so let's just get started. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Or actually, actually, hang on. Before this, because too many people pull this out of context, and then their faith gets undermined because of a poor understanding of Hebrews 11. Let's remember what Hebrews 1 said. Hebrews 1.1 said, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So the writer of Hebrews says, look, God's always been speaking. In the Old Testament times, it was through the prophets. But in these last days, the writer of Hebrews says, God has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he had appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. In other words, God has spoken to his people. This is how Hebrews opened. Okay, I don't want you to forget this because Hebrews chapter 11, this is just the 11th chapter in a long book. It doesn't make any sense to pick up a novel in the middle of it, does it? It wouldn't make any sense. 
Hebrews 1 says, In the past, God spoke. God is still speaking. And recently, the writer says, God spoke through Jesus. And it says in Hebrews chapter 9 that Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. In other words, there was the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, there was the Old Law. And now there's a new covenant, a new way of doing things. So that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. In other words, Jesus Christ came so that God's people who are called could receive an eternal inheritance. That is, life in heaven with God after we die. God has a new deal with his people. And this offer of an eternal inheritance is for all who believe in Jesus Christ, for all who have faith. But you and I know that not all do. Not everyone has faith. Not everyone believes. Hebrews 4 acknowledges this. We have had the good news proclaimed to us just as others did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. In the book of Hebrews, we're told that there is an incredible blessing from God, that Jesus Christ came to deliver it, and that those who believe in him can receive it. But if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Jesus, and if you don't walk by faith, none of it matters. Faith is essential to this walk with God. And in Hebrews 10.39, Pastor Steve preached about this last week. It says that we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But instead, we believe, or I'm sorry, we belong to those who have faith and are saved. We're not in that crowd that shrinks back and is destroyed. We're in the crowd that has faith and we are saved. And that's where Hebrews 11 comes from now. Okay, with all of that understood, it says Hebrews 11, it says in verse 1 that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The writer of Hebrews here says, faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. That is what the ancients, the old people, our forefathers and foremothers, all those Old Testament people that the Hebrew audience would have known so well, the bedtime stories they grew up with were all about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Daniel and Noah. So all of those stories, those people, their faith is what brought them close to God. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. And this has been the currency of godly religion since the beginning of time. Confidence in what we hope for. I want to linger here for just a minute because this is really important that we get this straight. Because if we mess up Hebrews 11 verse 1, the consequences for the rest of our ethics, actions, and lives are going to be massive because some people make these mistakes. Faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence is, is the belief that what God said will happen, will happen. You remember this context of Hebrews? This, this faith, this confidence in what we hope for, that's not just some vague promise of a future that we would like. That's not the hope that's being talked about here. There's lots of things I hope for, lots of things you hope for. They don't all come from God. They're not all planted in our minds and in our hearts by God. Sometimes we just want something because it'd be pretty nice. I hope that lunch is good today. God didn't promise it though, so it might be terrible. But do you know people in your life who have used this verse in Hebrews 11? They say, well, faith, that's just confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so I'm just going to see what I want to see and hope that I get it. And then when they don't receive it, they, they believe that their faith is falling apart. Who is this God I believed in? It's all a bunch of baloney. Our faith has to be rooted in the right things. The first 10 verses of Hebrews, 10 chapters of Hebrews told us what that is. It's in God's promises. It's in what Jesus provided. And it's in this eternal inheritance that's guaranteed to those who believe. 
That's what this hope is. This is not just a general thing. It's assurance about what we do not see. I remember, I remember it was, it was 12 or 13 years ago. I was, at a, uh, I was at a pastor's prayer meeting in southern Chester County. And there were about 30 of us there. And we were gathered in a fellowship hall at some church east of here. I don't remember exactly where it was. And in that group of, of pastors, there was a lunch meeting. So we had a little lunch. And there were, there were pastors from all kinds of different churches, some of whom I knew, some I didn't know. And we were praying for our community, but, but this luncheon was called especially for us to pray for each other. And so uh, we broke up into little groups of two or three or four instead of being in the circle of 20 or 30. And we just talked for 10 or 15 minutes. Each person had a chance to talk about what is their challenge right now. How can, how can we pray for each other? And so we broke up into those groups of two or three or four. And um, at that time, this was before Bree uh, was in my life and Melanie's. And uh, Melanie and I had been struggling with infertility uh, at that point for six or seven years. Um, and that was a big thing in our lives. That was a hope that was not being delivered. It was not ever a promise from God, mind you, but it was a hope. And so I shared that in my small group uh, of pastors, and, and it was wonderful. We had a great time. We prayed for each other, each of us praying for each other for all of our needs. And then we got back together in our group and, and finished the meeting. And after the meeting, a, uh, another pastor who was there, she came over, and, and she had been in my small group, and she just said, um, can, I, can I tell you something? I said, yeah, sure. And, and she put her hands on my shoulders, and she said, I believe I have a gift of prophecy. And she said, I believe that God is telling me that you and your wife are going to be pregnant in the next year. I said, okay, I, I'll take it. That, that, that's what I want. That's what we want. And she prayed for me. This was just kind of one-on-one off to the side after the meeting was over. She prayed for me. She prayed for me passionately, and I agreed with her prayers. We both said amen. And I took note of that because that's a pretty cool testimony. But a year came and went. Melanie and I did not get pregnant. We've never been pregnant. But Bree has come into our life. And I think of that prayer often. Her, what, what she heard from God was just not, not correct. What she prophesied didn't happen. I don't know why. I'm not going to accuse her of being anything less than faithful. Sometimes people hear wrongly from God, right? But I noted that because that was such an important, that was such an important vision that she had for me, and, and I wanted it so bad, and I told Melanie about it, and I marked the date, and I marked the next year's date, and nothing had changed. That didn't kill my faith in God. It just showed me that what she prayed apparently didn't come from God. Again, I'm not, I'm not ascribing any bad intentions to her. I just know that that prayer did not come true. 
Psalm 145, 13. King David said, The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. And I don't know anyone who's ever told me a story of God making them a promise that didn't come true. I know lots of people who can identify with my story of people making promises, sometimes even in the name of God, that didn't come true. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a difference. There's a difference in a promise from God and something that a person says comes from God. And we need to be careful about those because when promises don't come true, we begin to doubt the promiser. When the things that are guaranteed do not arrive, when we were told that they would guarantee, what happens? Our faith in the delivery goes away. How many of you are ready to to mail your most important letter through the post office tomorrow? Some of you take pause, right? Because what's the last year been like for the U.S. Postal Service? It's been a challenge. Things have been, just two weeks ago, I had a Christmas card returned to me that I mailed to a buddy of mine. He lives in Washington, D.C. We mailed at the end of November. Here in the middle of April, we got it back, says, can't deliver it, can't be, can't be done. So I called my buddy. He said, oh, yeah, I, just, I moved right down the block. But it took him six months to get it back. And, and, hey, that's just the way the post office is. But you know what? If I have something that's so important that it has to be there tomorrow night, I'm not sending it through the post office. I don't trust them. They're not bad. They're not evil. I just don't trust them. There have been some people that have put their hope in earthly things, that have put their hope in things that just kind of came out of their mind, that they never tested with anyone else, never tested against Scripture, never asked God for a confirmation. It just seemed really fun. There are people who have taken things to be promises that have not been promises from God. And then when those things didn't arrive, instead of getting mad at at their bad idea, instead of getting frustrated at their well-meaning friend who was just off base, instead they walk away from God. God, I thought you promised me that we'd be pregnant in a year. How dare you? I know people whose faith has been broken by that because we sometimes put our faith in the wrong place. And sometimes people look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse one and say, well, this is why. Look, I I mean, doesn't it say that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see? And, And since God is good, we're supposed to live in faith. I'm gonna continue to believe in this. And I wanna say, whoa, 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 be careful. Did God really promise what you think is promised to you? Because I don't want you to be discouraged if it doesn't happen. Keep your promises straight. You know what I'm talking about here? We have to stay clear on where our hope is or our faith might be undermined. And we're not called to be in that group that falls away and is destroyed. We're called to be in that group that endures and is saved. And if we're going to do that, we need to keep the promises straight. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There are lots of things we don't see yet. We may get glimpses. We may even get glimpses of God's promises. We may get glimpses along the way. Have you ever had these glimpses of heaven? Glimpses of what things might be like or or, or something that happens in your life that seems so great. Have you ever heard anyone say, oh, it's almost like being in heaven, right? Sometimes we get those little blessings, those glimpses from God, but boy, we don't see heaven yet. We look around and we see a whole lot of, a whole lot of not heaven. It hasn't all rolled out yet, and so we need to have assurance about what we do not see, the things from God that are promised. 
You remember what we've learned so far. It also says in Hebrews chapter 10 that, that we're supposed to remember those earlier days after we received the light when we endured in great conflict full of suffering. The writer of Hebrews is talking about these people who came to faith and, and had to endure great things. It says in Hebrews 10.33, Sometimes you believers were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. This is what God's talking about when he says, look, faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. All the things that we see here, the things in the, in the kingdom of this world, they might get taken away. Our property might get confiscated. We might be thrown in prison. We might be put down with others who are believers. That's fine because that's not what our hope is in anyway. Our hope is in the promises of God. God didn't promise and say, I'm going to give you lots of land. God didn't promise and say, Christians, I'm going to give you all so much comfort. Your life is just going to be easy and smooth now. No, in fact, the contrary. What did Jesus say? Your life will be marked by suffering, just like mine. And yet, how many people do you know who are getting this out of whack? They're thinking that the promises of God sometimes somehow imply richness and ease and comfort and, and worldly success. Hebrews reminds us over and over that it doesn't mean your faith is weak that you go through these trials. It means that simply you are a target for Satan and hard things happen. This is why you must press on. It says in Hebrews 10, 34, you suffered with those in prison, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Don't throw away, Hebrews 10, 35. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And then Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. Do you see where we're going here? Faith encompasses all of what we do. And what's fascinating is we get into Hebrews 11, verse 3. We see that faith is not just about the things of the future that we don't see. It's even about the things of the past. It says in verse 3, by faith... Now, this was written 2,000 years ago. Maybe we're tempted to think that people back then were simple and couldn't think about things the way that we did. Let's tap the brakes on that. This writer of Hebrews, these Hebrew people, these, these were not dummies. These were people that, that could think just the same way that we do. They may not have had the same level of, of education, but how much has some of your education been worth? <laughs> Somebody laughed. That was a teacher, wasn't it? Oh, Renee. Nothing wrong with education, but, but you know that some of it doesn't help you to have more faith, does it? Here in verse 3, it says, By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So, so here we're seeing a little bit more about faith. It's not even just about the future. Faith helps inform us about the past. Like way back into eternity past. It says in Genesis 1 that, that God spoke and things came into being. It came ex nihilo. Some of the scholars would say it came out of nothing. God spoke and it was. Now how many theories have there been in the last thousands and thousands of years about where this world came from that didn't include God's voice and speaking out of nothing? All kinds of ideas, aren't there? Has anybody learned about any of those in school? Now, it's presented as science. It's presented as buttoned down. It's presented as absolutely certain. But here's what science is, folks. 
I mean, go back to your seventh grade science class. Science is based on observation. And when you observe something, then you make a hypothesis. You remember these words? You make a hypothesis about, well, maybe this is how it is, and then you test it. You have an experiment, and then after the experiment, you draw your conclusions. I know there are all kinds of technological marvels happening, things that even seem to point back into the past. All kinds of ideas happening on the quantum realm that, frankly, I don't understand and I don't care to. By faith, I understand that the universe was formed at God's command. There might be some who would say that they are relying on science to tell us that it's been proven otherwise, but it's pretty hard to do an experiment about the first moment of creation when it all happened in the past. There are lots of hypotheses out there. There are lots of empty then experiments and conclusions that because they're just spoken by the right people with the right words, it's seen as absolute fact. No, 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 by faith. We understand that the universe was formed at God's command. How? I don't know. God said it. The Bible tells us that it was. And here we are. That takes some faith, right? We don't see it. We didn't see it. No one saw it. It takes some faith. Scientists are acting on that same faith too. Well, I'm sorry. Scientists are also acting in faith. When they say what they say, it's just faith in a different thing. All right, lots of little bunny trails, right? But do you see how faith can encompass the past, the future? What we are told by God, faith says, I believe that. Even if I don't see it, even if I can't touch it, even if it hurts me for a while to wait for it, I will believe what God has said. This is what our faith is, believing God and living out that hope, even though it hasn't all arrived yet. And even though not everything from the past is able to be looked at and picked apart and held in our hands, there's more going on than what we can see, taste, touch, and measure. Now here, after this, after this talk about creation happening at God's command out of nothing, now Hebrews 11 delivers us example after example after example of people who lived with this kind of faith. They had a promise of eternal salvation they were looking forward to a savior from God to make right everything that was destroyed by human sin. And now starting in verse 4 of Hebrews 11, there's, there's examples of these people. Have any of you ever looked for a bathroom in a hospital? Maybe you don't spend as much time there as I do. I, we're, we're going somewhere with this. It's, it's fun. If, if all you have to do is wear khakis and a button-down shirt, you can walk anywhere in a hospital that you want to, even in 2021. You walk with confidence, they just assume that you're a doctor. I found myself in halls and places that I shouldn't have been. Not because I was trying to see what was there, but because I couldn't find out where they were going to stamp my parking ticket. I walked into an operating room one time. <laughs> I kid you not. Now, nobody was being operated on, but I knew I shouldn't be there. Sometimes you get down certain hallways and certain hospitals, and you realize you're getting closer to the offices because the big pictures start showing up on the walls. First, they have the plaques with all the donor names on it. Have you seen that? I think especially of LGH. That's where I've been the most. There, there are the plaques with the donors' names. This, these people, and some of, them, some of them I like to read sometimes because I recognize them. Oh, I've heard of that company or that family. But then there are the big pictures, and here's the picture of the founder, and it's some guy from a long time ago. And then next is the one who did, and it's interesting. Oh, this guy was there for five years and then 20 years and then 10 years. And you go down the hallway, and it's a bunch of dead people down some obscure hallway 
that nobody goes down except for lost pastors. And you just see one of these are the founders. These are the ones who they are. Not very, I, I guess it's an honor, but it's, it's not very amazing. You see this maybe at, at your college. You see the same kind of thing. Here was the dean, or here was the founder, or here were the board. I see this, I see this in high schools. If I go back to Solanco High School for a, for a musical or a ball game or something inside, there's still a trophy rack in the lobby. And some of those trophies still have names on that I recognize. Some of those pictures of ball teams have boys that are no longer boys. But I remember when we were. It's that, it's that remembrance thing. That's, that's what the rest of Hebrews is about. It's telling the story, not of a hospital, not of a college, not of a high school. But it's telling the story of faith. God's people of faith. And now the writer of Hebrews takes the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 to walk through them. And I wish I had a bit more time. Again, I'm going to point you, and I don't do this very often, but I do it carefully and today confidently. I say, listen to Alistair's sermon. The way he talks about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham. Fantastic. Fantastic the things that he draws out of there. But church, for today... We'll come back to this another time. But for today, I want to stay in Hebrews chapter 11 and skip over the hall of fame. I just want to tell you it's there, okay? It's there. And you can learn about Abel and his faith. And even though it got him killed, he did the right thing. You can learn about Enoch and his faith. You can learn about how Enoch was taken by God. He walked with God on this earth, and he walks with God for eternity. You can learn about Noah and how his faith drove him to build a boat in a place where there had never been any rain, and it took him 120 years preaching at scoundrels the whole time. You can see how Noah's faith delivered him, and we can see how Abraham's faith called him to leave a pretty cushy job at his dad's farm to a land where he had never been before. You can see how faith would, would help him to believe God when God says, Abram, you're, you're in your 90s, but you're going to have a baby. You can see how faith, once that son was delivered, Abram was ready to sacrifice that son to God. We can see in Hebrews 11.11 11, how even Sarah, Abram's wife, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered God faithful who had made the promise. You can read about all that. It's fantastic stuff. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. But I want to jump down to verse 32. Hebrews 11, verse 32. The writer of Hebrews apparently has some of the same problems that I do. He says, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. What did they do? What happened with their faith? Look how it continues. Verse 33. Who through faith... Through their faith, through understanding God's promises, through believing what they didn't yet see, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies." Their faith allowed them to do some things that, that maybe they had only dreamt about before. Their faith allowed them to receive all these extra things. I mean, their eternal inheritance was, their eternal inheritance was sure. And they were focused on that. And because of their faith, God gave them even more. What does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
And all these other things you need will be added to you. We see that here in Hebrews. God helped these people through their faith to administer justice. God helped when it was needed. To conquer kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, quench the fury of the flames, and escape the edge of the sword. There, there were people, many who, who suffered under God, but, but many who were delivered to do amazing things by God because God still cares about this world, and through faith it happened. It says in verse 35, women received back their dead, raised to life again. And then I think we can find some more hope as we finish out this chapter 11. Read this here. Look at verse 35, the rest of it. There were others. There were others, those who had faith, who were tortured. Having faith doesn't, doesn't remove you from the fray, does it? There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. They said, no, you go ahead and torture me all you want. I'm not turning against God. You can kill me, but only he can give me life. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released. It says in verse 36, some, for their faith, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. I've been asked before, what happens if the world gets really wicked and it suddenly becomes illegal to preach? I said, well, we'll go to jail. I mean, that's, an, that's an easy thing to say today. That's an easy decision to make. I see people twisted in knots. What, what will we do if it becomes illegal? Well, you go to jail. Well, what if they persecute us? Well, okay. I hope not. I'd rather, rather nobody did. It, it's nice to have freedom. It, it's a blessing to have liberty to be able to share the gospel with all who come in our contact. But, but what if somebody says that we can't? Okay, well, we'll keep doing what God calls us to do. And I'd rather answer... I'd rather answer to God than them. I mean, what are they going to do? Kill me? What are they going to do? Kill you? Come on. Some face jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. I don't want that to happen. But would you rather be stoned for a couple minutes or go to hell forever? It's pretty easy to say, I stick with God. That's what people saw, their faith. Their faith told them, I see the rock in your hand but I have confidence and assurance of God's promised land. So bring your worst. Verse 37 goes on. These people, they were sawed in two. That's not a figure of speech. There were, there were people who were sawed in two for their faith. It was one of those tortures that was designed to make an example out of them so nobody else will do that. Well, what happens when people are sawed in two? Well, there are some people who are weak in their faith who will be scared, but let me tell you that when someone is sawed in two, it gives strength. It gives strength to the rest of the crowd who already believe in God. Where is the gospel flourishing most in 2021? In the persecuted world. I mean, we often think about America and our area around here in our land as, as particularly good at sharing the gospel. Not so. Not so. The statistics would tell us that the gospel is, is gaining so much more traction in, in China where it's illegal to be certain kinds of Christians and in, and in parts of the Philippines and in parts of the, parts of the world where, where there is great persecution, even death sentences for those who are Christians. Faith is growing and growing. And it's just like what's been happening for thousands of years. People put to death by stoning. People saw it in two. People killed by the sword. It says they went about in Hebrews 11, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. They didn't have most of the blessings that we have, 
But these, verse 39, they were all commended for their faith. None of them received what had been promised, not in this life. But what are the promises for? God says, I will watch over you in this life. I will give you what you need in this life, but I will give you eternal life once you die. And that's where the real comfort is, the glory is. That's where the pleasure is. It says God in verse 40 had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. In other words, all these people in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to a savior. They never got to see Jesus. They died before he arrived. All these people that are talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. But we saw Jesus, and now along with us, they've seen Jesus too. They have hope, and we can all move forward, whether they've been dead for a long time or whether our death is yet to come. People can pick up rocks and saws and stones. They can, they can persecute. They can say that you can't do this. They can threaten to take away our tax-exempt status. Oh, my, what will we do then? Well, I guess we'll pay taxes, and we will preach the gospel because our faith says we follow God. We obey the earthly authorities as long as they don't tell us to sin. But if they tell us to stop doing what God tells us very clearly to do, well, it's easy who we're going to follow. We follow God. We do it with love and respect and not for our own pride or stature, but for God because we have faith. We know that he will give what we need when we need it, even if we die. These people, they were all commended for their faith yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Church, do you understand that your faith has to be in God? If you get off track, if you get distracted, if you let this Hebrews 11 thing turn into something that it's not, you will be let down. Your faith in people will not carry you through this life your faith in the structures and the authorities and the powers and, and, and whatever little kingdom you've built here on earth, none of that stuff is going to give us real true life. And, and what I see, and, and you've seen it too, is that people, they've had those things taken away or they had those things that didn't work out or they had those, what they thought were promises not come true and then their faith went away and then they were truly lost. But we're not that kind of people, church. We're the kind of people who put our faith in God, not in ourselves or anybody else. We put our faith in God. And we walk forward with him, knowing that no matter what happens on this earth, our eternity is sure. That's what Hebrews is telling us. That's what all of Hebrews is telling us. Don't forget it. Okay? Don't forget it. Only hold closely the promises that come from God. Everything else, everything else is just a wait and see. Okay? Can we pray together? This is, this is difficult stuff. It, it's, well, let, me, let me take that back. It's easy stuff to understand. It's difficult stuff to keep living. And that's why Hebrews, almost every chapter says, church, press on. Keep at it. Be encouraged. Don't give up. Let's pray together. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we are not among those who have shrunken away, those who have been destroyed. Lord, I thank you that instead we are among those who are saved and who have been redeemed. Lord, help us to keep your promises so close to our hearts that nothing else would ever creep in above them. Lord, help us to remember what you've promised, that you've promised 
that you promise us eternal life with you, and you've promised us all the strength we need to deal with this life on earth. Lord, you have promised, and, and, and through this passage in Hebrews, you've shown us that we can live a full life even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of property being taken away, even in the midst of being put in chains or in jail, even if we're killed by the sword or the saw. Lord, you've told us that we can have full life even in the midst of that. Thank you, God. Help us to remember it. Lord, we like our blessings here on earth. We like all the extras that you've given us. We like having a, a happy family. We like having a <laughs> we like having a a real estate portfolio that gives us some freedom. We like having a job that seems like it matters. We like having having the freedom that comes with living in our land. Lord, we like all that. Help us to remember that none of those things are the absolutes that you've promised us about. These are just all these are just all gravy. Lord, help us instead to keep our faith in you so that no matter what happens here on this earth, we will press on and be among those who are saved. Lord, I thank you for each person in this room and for each person who's watching us online. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come to us now. Holy Spirit, come and fill us up. Give us the power and the perspective so that we can live well for you, our Lord. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. <laughs> Somebody's listening to Alistair Begg. Or, uh, Pastor Steve, I am glad that you pulled up Alistair Begg. You'll hear at least one good sermon today. <laughs> Truth, Truth for Life is the name of Alistair Begg's podcast. If you search for that online or in your podcast there, Truth for Life, he's got a, he's got a sermon that comes out every day. Okay? Um, and, and I really enjoy his preaching. But April 15th, he has a series. It's called Something About Faith, and it's about Hebrews 11 for April 15th, 16th, and I think he wraps it up on the 19th or something like that. All right? Church, now go from this place. Again, remembering what God has promised and holding lightly all of your other hopes. Don't get them mixed up. God bless you. It's been good to be with you today.